want to talk about, obviously we haven't seen each other in a while, so let's talk about some of the things that have happened, namely the recent signings. So Marcus Smart goes back to Boston four years, 77. Now, I've said this a lot of times, and before you even talk about who's overpaid, who's underpaid, and things like that, that's a, that's also a interesting conversation. I want to talk about just like you know, you got to simplify things sometimes when you make decisions. And I think in the NBA, when you're evaluating players, um, you want to take a step back and you ask the question: um, Can they do these three things? And the goal really is to. At least try at least do two of the three. When I say two, like kinda two. Kinda two is you're flirting with the rotation, you're a fringe. But two out of three, you're a you're a good NBA rotational player at the very least. Maybe better, depending on how well you do those two out of the three things. If you could do all three things, and now you're talking, you know, potential superstar level, and maybe if you're unbelievable. At two out of the three, which you have with a lot of guys in the NBA, uh, then you're also potential star level. Most people can't do all three. You start going through the list, they can't. And I'll explain what the three things are. Number one, defensive flexibility. Could guard multiple positions. And defense, to me, is not just locking down a defender. That's actually not what it is. It's more about help defense, knowing where to be, knowing how to switch well, and how to cover and react. And also covering the perimeter. Right, knowing how to play defense without fouling and just being a solid NBA defender. You don't need guys who clap hard, who get under people's skins. I know a lot of people kind of like like having like a tough guy in the locker room or whatever, but it actually doesn't, it's not like necessary. And those fake tough guys, like Dennis Rahman, you know, who's like, oh, what about Dennis Rahman? Dennis Rahman was a kind of a fake tough guy. I don't think he was, particularly in the end of his career, maybe in Detroit, was more legitimate. But again, 90s basketball is different. Raman, out of those three things, you know, could only do one. We'll talk about the other two. Today's NBA, you need to do two. You need to do at least two. What are the other two? So defensive flexibility is number one. Number two, shot creation. Can you create offense? For yourself and others. Take a man off the dribble, up fake, dribble to the basket, collapses, you know what to do, you pass out. Can you do that? So, for example, we just knocked out two things. Bam out of bio, who is really good, can do those first two things. He can defend and he can create as a big. And it doesn't, and it's not position focused, too, by the way. Right, because remember we said with positions, I, I'm still the believer. I mean, you want to have as much flexibility in your starting lineup as possible. So you know you can do positionless to an extent, but again, you want two out of those three. And it's funny, like most people don't have three; they really don't. It's very hard to get that third. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, you know, who are the Celtics cornerstones, really only do these first two. They don't do shot creation that well. They Kinda, but they do defensive flexibility, and they could do the third thing, which is hit a shot. They could shoot. So remember the three things, defensive flexibility, number one. Number two, shot creation. 
Number three, shoot. Can you shoot? Can you hit a shot above average? Can you hit it? Are teams afraid when you're wide open and shooting? You really need those two, at least two out of three things. Now, to what extent you do two out of three clearly shows what level of stardom you are, right? We're talking about Tatum and Brown. They do the defense really well, and they create their own shot, kind of. So they're actually doing the third thing a little bit. They're not really doing it for others, which is they have to evolve, and if they do, then you're talking superstardom. But, but they can shoot. Other guys can only do two out of three. Damian Lillard does two out of three. He can create his own shot, and he can shoot. Right? James Harden created his own shot and can shoot. Does it extremely well. So he's at a higher level. Who does all three? Who does all three? Kind of tough. Anthony Davis can defend. Defensive flexibility. Can kind of shoot and create. So he does kind of two and a half. That's a pretty damn good level. LeBron James, when he defends, when is a big thing. But in the playoffs, <clears throat> he definitely creates his own shot. He can kind of shoot. So he kind of does all three. A superstar level. Russell Westbrook. Can't shoot. You don't really want him shooting. And again, my line with shooting is if the guy's wide open on the corner and you have a, you know, you're rooting for that team, are you standing up and being like, oh, God, like putting your hands up? I remember early 2000s going to a Celtics New Jersey Nets NBA playoff game. And the Celtics are like down by four with a minute and a half left. And Pierce kicks it out to Eric Williams for wide open corner three. And I get up. And this guy behind me is like, you know it's sad if you're standing for Eric Williams. And he was absolutely right. And then I, I sat immediately down. I'm like, I shouldn't be rooting that three. Eric Williams is not a good shooter. If the other team wants you to shoot the three, you are not a good shooter. That is like an obvious, I just, that has to be hammered home immensely. So now let's analyze. We know, you know what, everyone knows offense to death. We need to analyze the, the first thing, right? So, yes, um, shooting is simple. It's the most simplest one. Can you shoot? Are you a good shooter? Are you a threat to shoot? Again, if you're wide open, as a team like, shit, he's shooting. That is the arbiter. That is what you, how you decide whether the guy's a good shooter. Do you want him shooting if you're the coach? If he's wide open, do you want him shooting? If the answer is a resounding yes, he's probably a good shooter. I don't even look at percentages because they can fluctuate a little bit. It's a lot of it's rep of the player, right? So, like, Gallinari, Delino Gallinari's shooting 34% from the three to start the year. I still want him shooting threes, obviously. Same thing with Porzingis. Same thing with Laurie Marketing. All right? If they're not up to snuff with the percentages, it's fine. Rajon Rondo shot 37% from three when he was a Sacramento King. If you watch the games, the reason why is there were wide-ass open threes. The defense was giving it to him, and he would only shoot it if he was like open for a five-count. So there's a lot of context with shooting as well, where like if you're coming off double screens like you know old-school Kyle Korver, uh, you're, you're whipping it really quickly like Porzingis does. Um, there's context. But the important thing about them, the PR, the public relations – the reputation you have as a shooter is critical because that's what dictates spacing. Because teams are going to space if they're afraid of you shooting. Bottom line. Let's keep going. So that's one element. Just one element. Shooting. 
creating for yourself and others. Self-explanatory, sort of. Okay, so if you're a guy, shot clock down to 10, I give you the ball, and you're like, just go. Give me a bucket. That's creating for yourself and others. Now, ideally, you want to be able to do both. So if you do only one, i.e. creating for yourself, you kind of. You have it kind of. But if you want to look at stats, it's free throw attempts, right? You know, players kind of playing off you a little bit. Obviously, assists matter. Can you create offense? And then, basically, can you be the handler in a pick and roll? That's the main idea. To give you the ball, <clears throat> can you handle in a pick and roll? Now, again, there's guys that could do that might not do all three. They could do all three kind of, which is also okay. So my favorite example is Al Horford. Love him back in Boston. Why? He does all three things kind of. He kind of hits an open shot. He doesn't take them that much, but, he, but he's a threat. Team's like, oh, shit. They're not, like, pissing their pants when he's shooting, but they're, they don't want him shooting. Right? He can create offense. He doesn't really do it in the pick and roll. He does it out of the post. Good passer, though. Great assist rate for a big. So he can kind of create offense. Doesn't do it for himself as much, but fine. And the defensive flexibility, he's right there. So, again, Horford, really underrated. The problem with Horford was that, you know, it depends on who he's playing with, what the positions are. Joel Embiid. He's got the defensive flexibility down pat. Creates offense for himself and others, sort of. So he does two. Can't really shoot. He's working on it, kind of. He's a kind of in both those offense categories. The third thing is the most important. So defensive flexibility is really important. And it's basically a guy who you can switch on multiple people and defend. So he could guard guards and wings and maybe flirt with Big Z. All right. So let's get back to Marcus Smart. Four years, $77 million. The Celtics basically uh, valued Marcus Smart more than Evan Fournier, which is the first big error in my opinion. Now, granted, I get it. They're saturated at the wing. But it's kind of like inventory for cars right now. Like You, you want to be the team that has inventory left for wings because other teams need that inventory. So getting Fournier is, is, you know, first of all, he's better than the other rotation guys he got. So, you know, there shouldn't even be a question. But Fournier can do, he can shoot, check. Can he create for himself and others? Check. He can. And he can kind of defend. Getting a rotation talent that could do two to two and a half of those things is an obvious get. And yes, you overpay for that. Now let's look at Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart, can he defend? Yeah, I think he's an overrated defender. Why? Okay, he hustles hard. It's great. So what? He hustles, he claps. It's really good. But like, I don't I don't think the guards out there are like, oh shit, Marcus Smart is locking me down tonight. Like, but fine, I'm gonna give him defensive flexibility. So he can defend. Right? Is the other team saying, oh shit, when he hits it when he shoots an open three? No. Do they want him shooting? Yes. How do we know? They move back on the pick and roll. When he's handling, they move back. Can he create for himself and others? Uh, not really. Not really. Now look, has he ever played point guard for Boston? He has. He's played in spurts. People are saying now, oh, he's never got a chance at point guard. 
because of Kyrie. And the, he definitely had chances. I don't. I don't. I'm not going to agree with that one. He definitely had chances to play point guard. And, like, he looks like a wing playing point guard because he's kind of a wing. But he's small. And that's the problem. With defensive flexibility, you really need height to hit it. Like, like Patrick Beverly hustles hard on D. He's not a shutdown point guard defender. And even if he is, that's not defensive flexibility. So if he switches on to a wing, like Kevin Durant or Tatum or whoever, that doesn't help. Right? So, that's not defensive flexibility. You don't have any flexibility defensively. Marcus Smart, the same thing. Marcus Smart is is, is checking Kyrie. First of all, he's going to get killed, but, like, fine. But if he, if he switches on to, like, Harden, I don't think you feel great about that if you're Boston. So, that's not defensive flexibility. He's not... And then you can tell me, well, Aton, no one under 6'4", then, to your claim. Yeah, they don't really... Which is why you need tall, tall, lengthy players. Which is why I'm a fan of, of basically having a bunch of wings and maybe a big. No small guards. Just run all wings. You know, if you're going to have a point guard, get a Drew Holiday type. Get a, a guy who's a little bigger, who's got a, a larger, uh, you know, wingspan. Right? Just get a bigger wingspan. That's it. It's like the most obvious concept. So Marcus Smart, team is saying, ah, shit, when he shoots a three. No. Um, can he create an eh. So he basically does... He's three as. He's not good as. He's bad as. He's like, uh, defensive flexibility, yeah, not really. Can he open shot? Eh, not really. I don't care what he shot from three. Don't throw me 36%. The team is letting him shoot. Okay? Why is the team letting him shoot? That's what you have to ask yourself. If the team wants him to shoot, he is not a good shooter. That's it. That is it. When Marcus Mark goes under the screen and shoots a three... LeBron, whoever's covering him is like, ah, oh, thank God. Okay, like, so, if, if, if the guy is shooting and the team is wanting him to shoot, like, come on. It's, and then, yeah, he can't create. So, so you know, you compare those two guys, Celtics made a mistake on this contract. And what's frustrating about it is Smart really had, I would say, good PR around the league. Meaning, they could have moved him. He had value. Uh, he was flirting around with those Indiana rumors. Uh, Celtics wanted to move up in the draft, maybe, to utilize him. And, uh, and, and you know, go after Atlanta's pick or something, which, in retrospect, it's fine that they didn't. But going to this draft, there was rumors <clears throat> swapping Smart for Bledsoe, who, by the way, is just as good a defender and actually can create offense. C-A-N. Can. And actually fits with Tatum and Brown. Because they need someone who can create and get to the rim. Not necessarily a shooter. Just an FYI. 
they could have swapped Smart for Bledsoe and Keyword got on the 10th pick of the draft. Boom. Now, rumors were Celts were interested in such a notion if Josh Giddy was going to be there at 10, the guy who OKC got. I like tall point guards, and I cannot lie. The problem... Oh, my God. The problem is... Um, Giddy wasn't there. Now, I don't think they needed to do... I, I, look, I still would have done it. I would have just gotten the 10th pick, and, and it was a wing draft. And, like, look, I, I know the Celtics have a ton of wings. But, you know, Jalen Johnson was there at 10. Now, granted, he ended up going to Atlanta at 19, so he would have been there later. But there's a young guy there who also fits a need on your team. I also like the idea of going after that. What do I mean? What do I mean? So it's rare that you get a perfect fit in the draft. Or, like, there's a guy coming out. You are now going to have the perfect situation to develop him, give him some usage. And if he's good, you can really add value to your team. Okay? So, yes, at 10, if this, if there was, like, Moses Moody who was there, Zaire Williams was there, you, you don't really have room for those guys after you did the moves for the wings that you, that you did, right? You, you, you traded for Josh Richardson, and, and um, you know, so it doesn't look like you have room. But Jalen Johnson would have been a great fit. He was there at 10. Something's desperately need a backup lengthy forward when he was there. In the end of the day, the biggest mistake, mistake, mistake move was not trading for Aaron Gordon last deadline. That was it. That was it. And the reason why that was an error was, you know, Ainge and I think just in general, this notion of always looking at the binary is not the way to do it. Meaning, you don't win championships overnight. You don't win a title overnight. So you're not going to make like... Celtics were not going to make a move at the deadline that all of a sudden turns them into a title team. But it's building blocks. So if they had moved smart for Gordon, right, you could then, your next idea should be getting a young point guard and just seeing what happens from there? But the Celtics didn't want to move smart, which is why they didn't get Aaron Gordon, which was the error. They could have gotten Fournier and Gordon. Had they done that, you retain Fournier. Okay. And if you get Gordon, you don't do the Bledsoe deal. I get it. Let's say you do every other deal so you don't have your pick because Kemba's gone. There's opportunities still to develop point guards. And I know it sounds crazy. I would have rather gone that way, given Chris Dunn a shot at point. I got Pritchard behind him, and I would have picked up Yamadar and, and and hope I hit at point guard with one of those three youth. 
um, and then go nutty with my wings. Or, or another better route, which no one ever does. We talk about this ad nauseum on this pod. Is you don't start traditional point guard. So let's say you do all those deals. You start Josh Richardson at point guard, or Romeo Langford at point guard. Okay. So you start. You go Josh Rich. Right, you go Richardson, Link, um, Richardson, Naismith, Brown, Tate, and Horford, and then off the bench, you could still have you know Pritchard, um, Fournier, Langford. Um, you still need the backup big. Oh, sorry, you got or Aaron Gordon in there. Aaron Gordon, Aaron Gordon's probably going to start regardless. And then Williams, what a great 10-man rotation. So let me flip it around because I confused myself. Right? So, again, if you had traded for Aaron Gordon and you were able to retain Evan Fournier, you still do the deals you do. Thompson gone. You get Josh Richardson and Chris Dunn. The following is your logical lineup. You don't start traditional point guard. Josh Richardson, Aaron Naismith to get shooting. Sorry, Josh Richardson, Jalen Brown, Tatum, Aaron Gordon, Al Horford. And then with Fournier, I mean, you don't, you don't, you, you have like, look at that flexibility. I mean, you basically then go a lot of wings off the bench, but Tatum is basically your backup power forward to an extent or something like that. So you could go, you could do this either with Gordon starting, Gordon off the bench, doesn't matter. But then you start, you know, off the bench, you have like basically Pritchard, Fournier, Naismith, Langford, Robert Williams. And that's your 10-man rotation. Okay. And then Chris Dunn is insurance. Grant Williams, as he should be, is insurance. And that, that's that's a nice team. Just look at that like that starting lineup, any which way you do it. Like you have the, you have, you have the, the things we mentioned at the top. They can do two out of three things. And Aaron Gordon now is in a lineup where, where you, you have to give him usage. And he's good with usage. He could create. But no, we love uh, we love Aaron Gordon too much. It was the deal that wasn't done, which was the bad deal. It was the deal that wasn't done. And by the way, the Pelicans made the same mistake. They totally did. And Josh Hart. Um, also, you know, double figure millions. I mean, like, again, like he's undersized. I like Josh Hardy plays hard, but he doesn't kind of does kind of does the two out of three kind of, but it's a great philosophy. Cause again, if you can't do, if you can only do one out of three you should be in the NBA till later guys.